This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has grown to become the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. Check out salesleadershipunited.com and tap into tools used by elite sales leaders worldwide. Accelerate your leadership development. Solve modern sales challenges. Use fully prepped sales meetings in your next team meeting. Thousands of hours of sales leadership materials indexed and searchable with a single click. Create your own personal sales leadership library. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB at signup to get a free trial on me. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth from the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. This show features leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Be sure to check out the all-new salesleadershipunited.com. Fast-track your sales leadership development, gain insights into how other sales leaders are solving challenges similar to the ones you face, and tap into over 400 leadership topics, hundreds of video insights, battle-tested leadership frameworks, and new material that comes out every single week. Sales Leadership United is the easiest investment in yourself you'll ever make. Head to salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB at signup, and get a free trial on me. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders who are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. The show is growing faster every single week, and I have each of you to thank for it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for all the DMs. Please keep them coming. Thank you for your ongoing support of the show. I love seeing the growth of the show. I love hearing from so many of you on how the show has been helpful in your careers. And today, you're going to have another one of those moments where you're really pumped for the guests that I've got on board. We are in for a real treat today. I am so excited for this one. I, I, I'm happy to introduce Jason Smith to the show. Jason is the co-founder and CEO of Clue. Clue is a competitive enablement platform that rounds up everything possible to find about competitors to help salespeople win. Under Jason's leadership, the company has had really exciting growth and they're now working with over 500 sales organizations worldwide. Their logo chart literally is a who's who list that includes some of the most iconic companies in the world. Now, Jason and the Clue team are on the front line and what's leading to wins and losses in a case-by-case -case scenario. As a result, their perspective in what's happening in the competitive sales environment, it's priceless, especially as you enter the second half of the year. The insights from Jason and the Clue team are helping thousands of leaders around the world make adjustments on an ongoing basis, but especially now as we're halftime making halftime adjustments, you're going to benefit from what Jason has to offer. Jason's turned more than his share of heads in his industry. Listen, he's built five companies, won the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year. He's raised an impressive amount of funding from some of the world's most prestigious investors, and the company is growing ridiculously fast. Listen, if you can't tell, I can't wait to get started with this guy. It's going to be fun. It's going to go fast, and it's going to help you build the future you want for every member of your team. So buckle up. This one's going to be good. Jason. 
Welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Rob, one heck of an intro, man. Appreciate that. Your one energy a, is infectious. One heck, one heck of a guest that's worth it, man. Uh, your energy is going to be better than mine. So uh, thanks for joining. This is going to be fun. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you've got a you've got a good roster that you've done and educated a lot of my team on how to do effective sales for all your guests. So I'm excited to be part of this. Well, thank you. I, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of what you're doing and you in particular, and uh, I, I'm really excited. Our listeners are in for a really treat, good treat today. So why don't we start by having you just introduce yourself to 50,000 sales leaders all around the world. Why don't you tell us about Clue and what you guys do for your customers at Clue? Sure. And I'll try and keep the brag sheet relatively limited, but uh, yeah, Clue, I think you nailed it. Clue Clue's all about understanding your competitors. We try and help salespeople win those deals, particularly the competitive deals the ones that had budget that you should have won. We're trying to make sure that you can sniff the competitors early in deals and try and um, deposition them elegantly to win the revenue share that you should. So that, you know, that's the core of what Clue has always done. We're expanded now a little more. We do win-loss. We uh, understand buyers and we understand your market and we understand your competitors and roll that all into kind of one platform in a cheeky way. We call it the all-in-one platform, W O. And we thought we Let's were pretty clever go. with that, Rob. We Let's thought we were pretty clever. Go. Yeah. So yeah, and this is as you said, this is my fifth, my fifth shot at it. And I've had a couple of wins. I've had some spectacular learnings, we're gonna call. And uh, yeah, and clue, clues rolling. We're a couple hundred people now and serving so many great clients. And we've learned a thing or two about how to educate, you know, our reps and their reps, our clients' reps on on what to do around the competitive situation. All right. I can't wait to go a little farther, but before we go one step farther, I got to ask you one more question about you. I always love to ask my my guests, what drew you to the sales world? Anything specific that drew you there? Because very few people grew up wanting to be in that sales world when they were a kid growing up. Fresh out of university, deciding to start a business with two of my best friends, five grand in a pot, bought a couple Macs. One of the guys was technical. Another guy was finance guess what the third guy needed to be, right? So I am the guy Love coming it. out of my shiny business degree, um, cold calling, picking up the phone, telling people that we could build them web applications way back in the Netscape era of the late 90s. That was my first getting some of you. I don't, I don't have any of your, your folks on the pod will actually remember that, but that was a fun Oh, era. I remember those days, man. I, I remember I those days you. very well. Yeah. That was a day. And so literally we would like, that was my first go is like, there was physical phone books, yellow pages that we would pick up and I would literally dial up companies. Route you're my talking way the through the 1-800 numbers, find the economic decision maker that I thought was the economic decision maker. And then Dude, you're uh, talking pre-Google, Alta Vista was your search engine back then, uh, man. Those were hard days. Those were hard days. Yeah, those are hard days. Cold calling might have been a little easier, though. There's probably less cold calling back in the day. But uh, yeah, so that's I got my first taste of sales that way. And and that company we grew, you know, into it was about a hundred person company by the time it exited. Good exit to a telco, double digit millions for us. And I learned and recognized the value of what it meant to craft a proposition, to sell what you're selling in a differentiated way very early on and, um, and cracking in. So everything from the prospecting to the close, I got a, um, 
a real education by just getting in and doing it. Nobody, I was, I didn't have any really help. Um, just went in and did it and then started to learn a lot more from other people as I started to build other businesses. All right, let's dive in, baby. I, now, I, I hope our listeners are excited. They got a tiny taste of your awesomeness with that. And and uh, I, I, I'm really excited for where we're going to go. And I think we can start by the state of the selling world right now. Like, this has been an interesting year, challenging year for a lot of people. We got people here in tech and in finance and in you know, manufacturing and industrial. And and I mean, you name it, they're, they're listening to you right now. And if there's one common thing I'm hearing is this year, everything's a little more competitive than it's ever been. Every deal has more people fighting for it. Uh, CFOs are more involved even in small deals than they've ever even been before. You're you know, people that will see the video of this, you're, 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 uh, Jason's nodding his head right now, more scrutiny, more competition. Are you seeing similar things as you work with hundreds of organizations worldwide right now? No, Rob, up and to the right, it's so easy for us, right? Like this just happens, yeah. it just uh, PLGs its way to growth. No, this is this is a challenging moment, <laughs> you know, particularly yeah. in tech, right? And we are a sales-led organization, right? So we go in, we um, pitch our business, we land, and we expand through the organization in a little more of a PLG motion once landed, but we are a sales-led organization. And generally, we have gone in kind of at the director level, and now that director that could pull the trigger on a decent-sized contract needs the VP support, needs the SVP support, needs the CMO support that now needs the CFO approval. And every single company in our 90% of our customers are tech um, are seeing, you know, the reduction in SaaS spend, the consolidation in SaaS spend. So definitely our world has gotten a lot tighter, a lot more challenging. And I think there's been a real shift to ensuring that you are crisp on your ROI message. So it's something that we learned uh, two things. One is the going in lower, those people, by the time it reaches the CFO, there's a lot of broken telephone, right? So the the director talking to the VP, talking to the SVP, talking to the CMO, talking to the CFO, you, you, by the time it reaches the CFO, it's like, what's this thing do? It's how much? So it, it's very difficult unless you're getting you know them in front of you, which is increasingly challenging. You've got to figure out how to educate your buyer in a way that can elegantly pitch your value prop all the way through the chain in a tight verbal way in a type presentation way. Um, we've learned that. The second thing that we learned is we got to go higher. So we're talking to a lot of CROs now and we talk about it in the form of revenue. We talk about ROI in terms of a competitive revenue gap, Rob. And that's something that, you know, you and I kind of pre-chatted about this concept yeah. of there's revenue you're losing to competitors and how do we help you win that? We call it a competitive revenue gap. Why don't we talk about that? I, I'm glad that you set the stage. It is more competitive. Everything's got more scrutiny and more people, you know, fighting for every opportunity that it's out there. When you say competitive revenue gap, what does that mean? Yeah, I think the easiest way to think about it, particularly for the sales audience, is imagine you got a you got a pipeline. Let's call it a big pipeline. You got 500 million in your pipeline. You're going to win 20% of those deals. So 100 million, congrats. That's what you're adding this year in AR, in ARR revenue. You're going to have 50% that are no decision. And then there's a chunk, let's call it 30% of that 500 million pipeline, $150 million that is truly going to your competitors. Now, this is these are deals you can't blame on the economy. These are people that had budget, 
They walked around, they talked to you, they talked to your competitors, they just chose someone else. That's the competitive revenue gap. That 150 million is the competitive revenue gap. Narrowing it is the challenge. So you're not gonna win all those deals, but is there a way that you could take 150 million in competitive losses and try and narrow that by a million, by 2 million? So that conversation when we're talking with CROs has truly resonated because there's nothing like losing a deal that you should have won. And we can all look at the deals that you should have won that you lost. Those aggregate up, roll up to a big number and dramatically impact sales efficiency when that CRO walks into the next board meeting. Okay. That got my attention too. And I think you have 50,000 leaders all around the world listening to you. You probably have their eyebrows going up just like mine are eyebrows. That, that's, that's, that's a really good uh, thing to point to. They, they did buy. They did have budget. They did have need. They did prioritize it. They did make change. Just not with you, right? And um, in your experience, how much of that is something that the, the salesperson could have done something about? And that may be a fat and not a fair question, but I'm really interested. Like, is there anything controllable in there that is worth looking at? There's for sure controllable. And I think this is where, you know, if you take that, my imaginary number of 150 million, there's probably 75 million of that that you're never going to win. Like they were relationship-based. They had, uh, you know, the, your competitor's uncle worked there. You know, there's something that was a disadvantage for you that wasn't a perfect fit. But call it the other 75 million, that's probably winnable business. There's a chunk, pick your number, 50%, that's winnable business. And so, you know, if you look across your sales team, you're going to see wide differences on people that win against their competitors, certain competitors versus others. We've seen it across all of our clients where there's just this huge distribution of those that get crushed by certain competitors, those that win against certain competitors, those that overall win against competitors, those that constantly get beat up. And I'm not talking just about the people that are like a month into their career in that new job. They are tenured sellers too, that start to slip because they're talking old talk tracks of, no, they can't do that AI thing. Actually, I got a demo yesterday and they seem like they do it really well. And when you walk into those things unprepared, there is this confidence slip that happens when you're up against a very educated buyer, which they all are today, they can all yeah. do their research, they're all educated. And so when you're saying things that either invalidate your trust with them, because you're claiming something that they know already have done their research, you're mitigating trust in the deal, which is going to affect your win rate. So it's little things like sniffing the competitor early in the deal, that they've depositioned you already. They've talked about things in a certain way. They say tile instead of board. They mention certain ah. things that tip you to go, ah, okay, they, they, they've done some work already and they're, 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 right, they're already thinking this way. So now you have to see them or they're completely fresh in that first call. And you need to now seed them a certain way. You need them thinking, about your way of doing things. If you've got a specific advantage, like a pilot is your advantage, you're going to lead them to pilot right from day one, not try and actually mitigate the pilot because your competitor knows if they do a pilot, they're going to lose. So Jason, this idea of a competitive revenue gap is really, really interesting to me. And I'm really, really interested that he said, there is a portion that is 100% controllable. It's nuances on 
on things that you do, like that you can pick up on what they say, because maybe it's indicative that there's a competitor in there. And that makes me want to know the question. How soon should a salesperson find out that they are up against a specific competitor? Is that something they should be working to find out early? Is it a big deal? Is it not important? How does that help you in this competitive landscape to figure out if there's someone in it? And if so, who? Minute one. Like you need to know if they've already been seeded by your competitor. And I, it never hurts to ask. You can always ask, who else are you talking to? You can end a call with that. You can weave it in in a very subtle way. Often prospects are actually more willing to share that, yeah, I'm looking at your common competitors. Oh, you must be looking at, and you can literally name them and see what the reaction is. But in the, in the very early stages, they'll either be educated on your category and your product in a way that you can tell has been seeded by your competitor using terminology that they know, or they kind of don't know a lot. And you know that you now have an opportunity to shape them, understanding that they're gonna go date someone else right after you. So they're gonna walk in to whoever the competitor is next because they're gonna get educated. There's no one that does any business right now with any company and doesn't look around. They're always gonna look around. So you kind of have to assume you're in a competitive deal. The question is, can you mitigate them early? And I find that if you could shape the narrative early, get prospects thinking about how you're seeing the problem, define it your way, then you're in a significantly better position. The other thing, Rob, there's one other thing that I actually found was really interesting is literally, if you know that they're going to talk to your competitor or that they have mentioned that they're talking to your competitor, and your competitor is doing something like pricing undercutting you, they're always going to come in and they're going to drop their price by 25% of yours. Right. Telling the prospect that ahead of time increases trust. It increases confidence. Hey, look, I'm not going to be able to meet the price. If it's about price, I'm not going to be able to go there. Very likely you talk to my competitor and they're going to drop the price by 25% within one call with you. I'm telling you now, I can't meet that. This is where I'm going to be able to go. So I'm going to talk to you about other value propositions that I can provide inside the product that I think are a better fit for what you're telling me. And the next time they speak to that competitor and that competitor drops 25%, what's in the back of their mind? Right? You told me, yeah. I trust you now. And so- um, You know what reminds me of what you just told me? Did you yeah. see that movie Air, the the movie with Matt Damon about the Michael Jordan and Nike? I have, movie? I love it. So what you just described is what the Matt Damon character did. He's like, when you're at Adidas, they're going to say this, and this is what you should ask him. When you're at Converse, they're going to say this, and this is what you should ask him. And then the mom was like, what should I be asking you? You know, and, and uh, I, as I listen to example. you- yeah. That yeah. should be a clip in this podcast, Rob. You should pull that air clip in and get sued. But it is, it is a, <laughs> it's a perfect, it's a perfect analogy. Like I think, look, deals are about trust, and you need to understand um, who your competitor, who your prospect is talking to. They are going to talk to others. The earlier you can sniff it, the earlier you can actually understand how they're thinking, and try and shape that thinking a little closer to how you see the world. And you do it authentically, you do it honestly, and the more you can engender that trust for the deal, the better. So I'm not talking about competitive bashing here, ever. Right. It's never competitive bashing. I'm talking about having intimate knowledge like Matt Damon did about Converse, about Adidas, to know what they're going to say so you can either tell them that this is going to happen and why it's a bad thing for them, or at least shape it so that 
you're emphasizing what's super important to your prospect that you have that your competitor doesn't. So it's all about differentiation, all about trust, all about sniffing it early and reinforcing that through the deal. Well, let's go to differentiation then because I, I think that it's always important. It's always important to know why you're different and why it matters. But I think the more competitive a situation is, and in our time right now where you know it's not always up and to the right, like you said, um, differentiation I think might even be more important um, any advice to our, our, you got a bunch of leaders, any advice on how do you teach your people? Like here, here, here's the thing that I always laugh at when I think of differentiation. Do you remember the old comic, the far side? Do you remember that? I remember. Yeah. They have one that's a playoff of an ice cream truck, but it's an asparagus truck. And the guys on the <laughs> microphone saying, I cuss, we cuss, we all cuss for asparagus. And I'm like, yeah, that's differentiation, but doesn't matter. Can we talk about that for a second about how you can teach your people to use differentiation in ways that matter? Uh, that's a great example. I think uh, asparagus is probably not going to sell, but different flavors of ice cream will. And if your other competitor doesn't have the right type of ice cream, they don't have ice cream bars. They've got like, you know, lemon gelato and people don't like lemon. Then, you know, you sell your ice cream bars. You've got a differentiated view of it. So I think there's, Look, I think there's every company is out there trying to understand how they can differentiate themselves in the market. And sometimes that's a very temporary thing. Sometimes it's a feature that you have that others don't have that they're going to copy eventually. Sometimes that's a service. Some people play it on price. We leverage in the companies we work with. Product marketers do a very good job of actually looking at the market, looking at your product, and helping isolate some of the key differentiators. What sometimes they struggle with is putting it in sales speak, is putting it in a way that salespeople can really kind of digest and use. So you combine a product marketer that's going to do the work with a, call it a small advisory team of salespeople that are like, no, say it like this and I'll use it. And that can apply out to 50, 100 others. So our belief is you constantly need to be evaluating that market, looking at the differentiation that you have and then, you know, you can't get it. You can't escape the pain issue. You've got to understand what the problems and the pain are of your prospect. You just, you've got 20 things that you could pull out of your jacket. You're going to pull out the one that's differentiated, the two, three that are differentiated from your competitor, knowing that they're already talking to your competitor. And you're hopefully going to try and put a, a finer uh, spotlight on that particular element. It is, listen, I know that service is going to be a critical element for you to stand this up. Curating content's a lot of work. We have the best services that you can imagine. Here's five GT reviews that you could go to to see it. Here's the awards and the accolades. Here's 10 testimonials that speak to the services piece. And if you know your, pro your, your competitor is not doing anything on the services piece and you're dealing with enterprise, that's going to play. And so they'll dig on that. They'll scratch on that when they start to realize that A, it's important for them and B, you're differentiated. So huge, huge value in differentiated selling. So you guys have looked at this, you've done some studies and we'll want to put links to your studies in our show notes to make it easy for our, cause like I looked at your stuff, it's really got some interesting stuff. When, as we talk about differentiation, do you have a sense of how good salespeople are at this? Is this something that generally they're good at or generally they're not good at? And any advice for our leaders? You got a big smile on your face. I can't wait to see what you're about to say. <laughs> well, the data that we just pulled out, we, 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 uh, we, we spoke to 300 plus revenue leaders to try and understand 
you know, state of the nation in, in how they see differentiating competitive and the rest of it. 30% of revenue leaders. So that means 70% of revenue leaders are not confident that the reps can differentiate it. 30% felt that they were confident that the reps could differentiate. So like, I think there's a broadly in the industry, this lack of, of confidence that reps can get in there, have a conversation that identifies the pain and pull out the right differentiated levers that are going to make a difference for the deal. I think it's, I think, I think 30% felt like a high number of confidence. So um, uh, I, my, my view is that you've got to get in and help these reps understand what those key differentiated levers are and then help them identify which ones to pull out at which point in time. If the prospect is going to do a lot of work, has done a lot of work with competitors, which likely they would, you've got to figure out that competitive nest and pull out the ones that are going to be the value prop for you. I mean, this sounds obvious, right? Like you've got to, you've got to differentiate. Yeah, it sounds obvious, but only one in three are doing it very well is what it sounds like. That's right. <clears throat> which sounds to me, one of the reasons I want to talk about this, if only one in three are confident in that or that the, the leaders thought those reps were confident in that, that means you got a really good opportunity to create a competitive advantage with your team if you can help them turn that into a strength or a skill. Do you look at that as a skill, the ability to differentiate? Is that a skill? It's a huge skill. I mean, we know reps turn over, what, 1.4 years is the average now, tenure of a okay. rep. So there's going to be, there's a ramping period of a rep, and then you get a little bit of value, and then maybe they're off to the next thing. So look, there's a ton of time that you're going to have to spend ramping them on your own product and what you do and how it works and how to sell it, you know, and answer questions like pricing directly or indirectly, however you want to uh, align your sales program. The thing that you need to layer in is the differentiation points within that. So it's one thing to ramp on what you do. It's another thing to do it in context of how your buyer thinks, which is you and the others they're considering, right? So think of a dating analogy. If I'm, if I'm running The Bachelor like, and I'm, I'm the nerd and I'm up against the jock, I'm going to talk about books and make sure that she likes books. And I'm going to try and emphasize how great the books are. What books do you like? You like those books? Oh man, I love those books. And like, I'm going to try and find every angle that connects on the nerd side to differentiate from that jock because I know she's going on a date with the jock next. So how do I, how do Be I different. put my learning in context of what I know is going to happen either before I've seen that person or after it's the same thing with deals. Um, Rob, another stat, almost 50% of, of revenue leaders don't believe that their reps are seeing the competitors until late in the deal, 47%. So wait a minute, say that again. I want, I want that loud and clear. 40% of 47% of revenue leaders don't notice a competitor until late in the deal, or don't believe that their reps notice a competitor until very late in the deal. So like negotiation, final negotiation stage and beyond. And what the implications are for that is guess what happens when you haven't mitigated that competitor early? Discounting, 11th hour. I'm debating between you two, you, you three competitor. I'm not sure which one to go with. Well, I've said all I could say, so I'm just gonna discount. And typically that'll appear in deals where you're not mitigating that competitor early. If you're not laying all of the judicious landmines 
elegant depositions throughout the deal cycle. You reach the end of it, and you know what? The prospect is going like, ah, it's kind of a coin toss between you. I could take either one. And then you're left with price discounting, is it? Yeah, then you can't say, oh, well, I thought we were solving this problem over here that was worth this much. What you're talking about is solving this problem over here. Like, you're right. If you don't know who the competitors are, you can't do that. Well, and you're also saying like you know, the rep or the prospect saying, you're all kind of solving my problem. You all kind of seem similar solving my problem. So you haven't differentiated because you've sold your solution, which sounds like everybody else's solution. Instead of going, this is the differentiation that you need to look for when looking for a solution. It aligns with your problem set. So that by the time you reach late deal stage, they're looking at it going, I got to pay a yeah. premium for that thing, right? Like I, it's, it's what I need instead of, that's eh, a toss up. You're all the same. And then you're into discounting. So is this a coaching issue then? Are these things you should be doing in your coaching, like differentiation, finding competitors? Like a lot of people are saying, what's the problem? Why, you know, what's the problem? Why does it matter? Why solve it now? But are you also suggesting we better make sure we know who we're up against? So we're coaching this deal in a way that we are setting those traps, putting those elegant landmines in place, taking them on a totally different Ike, right? That someone else couldn't take them on is, is that a coaching issue? It's two things. Coaching for sure. You've got to weave it into how you're doing your pitches. You've got to be able to bob and weave. So effectively you're going to have multiple sales playbooks depending on which competitors in the deal, depending on how many competitors of the deal. You're just going to tweak it a little left, a little right based on your differentiation between those competitors. So don't think of one playbook, think of multiple playbooks. Okay. But the second, and so that's coaching, right? You're going to say like, you sniff this, head down this playbook track, right? Bob left, Bob left, right. The other piece is just keeping the data up to date. Think of your own company right now. They're winning awards or winning, losing clients or winning new clients or adding new features or changing the pricing. They're expanding to different territories. They're, there's tons of stuff. You can't even keep up with your own company. So keeping up with what your competitors are doing is a challenge. And that was it's literally why I started the company because I had this problem in my previous business where we just couldn't keep up with it. And we're walking into deals, telling the prospect something about what we could do relative to our competitors. It was false. It was wrong. And the prospect corrected us. Do you think that impacted revenue? Yeah, it did. So yeah. I got really frustrated with that, built a whole bunch of custom kind of wikis and weaved in stuff to try and make it awesome. My product team did that. And it was great for like a week. And then, you know, competitor does stuff and it didn't get updated. And so when it's not updated, reps look at it. They say something that, you know, the prospect update, they're not going to use it. So yeah. you need, no matter what your sales playbook is, it's going to keep getting tweaked because your competitors don't stand still just like you don't. They're constantly changing. So to narrow the competitive revenue gap, you got to stay on them. You got to differentiate. You got to weave that constantly into a training, training coaching system for your playbooks. I could talk to you for hours, man. This has been so fun. I love your depth on here. I love how conversational you are on here. Um, I, I, I got a lot. I'm, I'm going to want to put as many resources of yours and sales leadership united as possible for, for our people as well. So I got a couple of top of mind questions, if you don't mind, as I listen to you kind of weave this in and out. Um, 
The first one is, is storytelling a big part of this then? Is it teaching people to have the stories at your, at the ready? Is, is that a part of this? Always. It's always key, but how can you tell a good story? You've had the experience. So, you know, every angle to be able, every matrix like view of the story to tell it from different perspectives. So confidence in the facts and the understanding of what your solution is relative to others in the market is critical to be able to tell the story, right? So you're going to weave in customer stories because somebody has told you about them, because you've educated yourself about them, or because you've experienced them. There's always a story to tell about this is what happened when somebody switched to my platform from my competitor. This is what happened when somebody started with us, but struggled here and looked at, you know, moving to our competitor and didn't for these reasons. Like these are all how you're going to weave in the customer story into your pitch. But you're going to do that because you've learned it. You've spent time practicing it. So good storytellers have either direct experience so they've they know every angle to it or they've studied it any advice to sales leaders on how you keep those stories current any any thing that you'd suggest yeah well this is this is where i think you need an enablement system of some sort so whether it's a clue or whether it's a more broader sales enablement system like a high spot or a seismic i think there's a way that you you've got to have all of those stories at the ready there are people inside of every organization that should be responsible for doing this, either in sales enablement or the people actually doing the content tend to be those product marketers. They're the ones that should fish out every customer story. They're the ones that should weave it together in the sales playbook and talk tracks. They're the ones that should provide it in an enlightened way. The challenge for sales is you got to learn it and you got to know where to find it. So you've got to go to a central spot. You've got to, you've got to figure out how to access that information. And I, I do value enablement systems. So uh, Clue is one. We come at it from a competitive enablement standpoint, but there's many enablement systems. It's only as good as the content that gets shoved in there, tweaked to what you need as a, as a, as a seller. And that's where the product marketers got to come in. And they've either got to do all that research manually, or they're going to use systems like Clue to help them get the content. All right. So the one that we haven't addressed and, and it's, it's an interesting one because when a salesperson wins, they usually, my experience, this is going to be very general and I'm going to have hate DMs come my way when I say this. When we win, salespeople generally like to look in the mirror and say, I did it right. When we lose, we like to look out the window and say, oh man, it's our price or man, it's our product, right? What's the role of price, for example, because I'm hearing that a lot right now. I'm hearing people say, well, you know, everybody's raising prices right now because we're trying to have our, you know, that's that's important in, in our economic times. We, we've got to like get profitability per deal up. You, you already talked about discounting that, you know, if you see discounting, I hope people got that. If you see people discounting, one of the root causes might be you didn't find the competitor early enough. I, I hope people got that from you because that is an awesome nugget, brother. So let's talk about price. Like how, how often is price in your experience really the deal? Because sometimes it is, like you already mentioned, sometimes you can't get down there, but you're laughing. Every leader deals with this with their reps sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, like, look, we we do a lot of work integrating with CRMs, and every CRM has a close one, close lost reason, typically. And uh, I can tell you 
the price is often the reason <laughs> and it not it it isn't necessarily that's a that's a rep you know self self um self uh self put in you know pull down menu item so you know what's my take on price my take on price is again if you have truly understood the value that you're delivering early in the deal if you've truly differentiated from your competitors early enough in the deal you should be able to walk through that deal cycle reminding people about the value that you're giving and helping them articulate importantly internally that value so whether it's a video, whether it's a loom, whether it's a deck, whether you get that EDM in the room, you need to help them articulate that value all the way through to ultimately mitigate the pricing discussion. There's always going to be a sense of a, a, a prospect wanting a deal. Everyone wants a deal. So you yeah. need to weave that into how you do your pricing as well. There should be natural fallbacks on how you look at your pricing. Um, we barely discount. We've barely discount. What we will do is work with our clients to actually prove the value to unlock future value. So not even a proof of concept. We sign one-year deals with that with some nominal portion where we can go unlimited everything in the early days so that we're collaborating and partners with that, that technical user to unlock the value and the proof points to senior leadership that gets us the, the pricing that we're looking for ongoing. So uh, I'm a huge believer in making sure that you're delivering value to their pain very early. This is something that every sales leader knows that everybody's trying to do and finding the right fallback positions for how you do pricing that will unlock the true value of your value, uh, pricing value down the line. So I love this because my personal belief is many times <laughs> reps don't necessarily understand how differentiation creates value. Right. And, and I think that if they, it's almost like mindset on an individual and like self-talk, you have to manage self-talk because you have more conversations with yourself than with anybody else. I often wonder what the rep self-talk is on how things are really valued. And, and to me, I, I'd like to get your take on this. I think it's important to teach our salespeople to talk and engage like a colleague, not like a vendor. Because if we could talk like a colleague, now all of a sudden we can have a, a, a more real business conversation and prioritization conversation than a product conversation. That's where trust comes in. To my point earlier, where I talked about if you know your competitor is going to come in and price at a low price point, tell your prospect that before it happens. Engender the trust by saying, I know what you're going to experience. That's the, it's all about trust as you kind of build it up and a colleague, you know, engenders that trust. A couple other points on pricing, I would just say is I'm yeah. a huge believer in being direct on your pricing. I, 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 I don't think it does you any service in engendering the trust, differentiated or not. If you say, Rob, what's your price? How much you cost? Well, and you're kind of like fuzzy about it, right? Like, I think you just, you hit them out of the gate. And even if your pricing model is difficult, it's like you anchor it wherever you want, but it could say, you know, for the average package, you're probably going to start at three grand a month, you know, but there's a whole bunch of factors that we can go into. Everyone's looking for a number that they can go, oh, okay, am I, am I 30? So are we talking 30,000? Where are we on this scale? Give them a number, right. give them something that you can feel like you can anchor decently on and then talk about kind of the, 
variability that will come with more users, more usage, more modules, in our case, more competitors or whatever it is. So I'm a huge believer in being direct. Um, yeah, that's, uh, I'd end with that. It's been a terrific conversation. We're starting to run out of time. So I want to make sure that you have time to um, tell people how to connect to you and to Clue and everything else. And then I want to give you a little bit of time to like put a bow on some of the stuff we've talked about. But before we do, any, I'd love to get your take on this and then we'll, we'll start to wrap. As you work with 500 revenue organizations worldwide, that's like, worth thumping your chest on first of all congrats as a, as a guy who's founded companies before and sold companies before i know what goes into that kudos to you okay that's no small task um and you get this awesome perspective and in fact i'm going to want to have you on our show with some regularity just because of that perspective are there things that you're seeing sales leaders do that makes them good at this and are you seeing sale things sales leaders are doing wrong that creates problems? Is there like any, here's two or three things, start doing this. And here's two or three things, stop doing this. Is there anything there that you could say? Well, I'm incredibly biased around that competitive yeah. piece. So I, I do believe that it is the most overlooked, fastest, least change management way to greater sales efficiency for sales teams. It, every salesperson wants to know more about their competitors. They're hungry for it. They want to know. It's not, they're, they're not saying, it's not like forcing them to use a new CRM. They want to know how to differentiate against their competitors. They don't want to be surprised in deals. They want to be confident in deals. So you require absolutely limited change when you're introducing the idea of here's fresh, relevant, competitive information that can help you win this business from sniffing the competitor early to differentiating to how you're going to approach, you know, the rollout with that client down the line that differentiates from your competitor. That is, that is first and foremost, something from a change management piece that I think a lot of CROs are like, I'm doing too much. I can't change anything. I've got to limit my change. Just keep down to the basics. And I think particularly in this moment where it's a little more of a hurricane, that is change is when you force somebody to do something new that they really don't want to do. This is something they're asking for us from the competitive standpoint. The other thing is like really spend time quantifying that competitive revenue gap, like get clear on it. Take a look at that, do some win-loss research, talk to some of the reasons, talk to some of the people that you lost deals with either through a third party, like what we offer or directly do it yourself to have the product marketer, have the interviews to understand what those reasons are, why you lost. Ideally, you'll get some really meaty stuff there. It's rarely going to be just price. You dig a couple layers down, it's going to be like, sorry, you had a bro culture in sales and it really put me off. Well, how are you going to get that? Well, the salesperson, they're not going to tell the salesperson that. You need somebody else to be some kind of, whether it's internal or external, to give them that data. So I think understanding the reasons why you're losing all layer back into how you're going to create a shore up of where you're differentiated, where you're weak, where the competitor is going to beat you up and where you can actually beat up on the competitor. That to me is like understanding, quantifying how much the gap is and the reasons why lead to your differentiated sales book and your playbooks to win the competitive deals. And literally it's the fastest way to revenue. Like it, it, it is literally like, think of it this way. Imagine you got a hundred reps. They're all doing 10, 20 deals a year. 
how many deals do they need to tip each? Those competitive deals that you know you should have won. Like one, if each of them, 100 reps tip one, or what about 10 reps tipping one? Like literally, it is the fastest way because you're in those deals already, budget's there, prospects looking for it, just tip them. And you tip them by starting from minute one, knowing your differentiators and winning the deal that way. You hit my face. That's my, like, nobody talks like that. Most people don't realize the fastest way to increase sales, win just a little more, man. Just win just a little more. It's usually not grind just a little harder. Usually it's get just a little better. Is that a fair way of saying it? I, my spin on it would be win the deals you should have won. Win the deals you should have won. You look back over the course of a year, there's a number of deals you should have won. The rep that always got crushed by the competitor was in a deal that they shouldn't have been there. That's a logo, a deal size that you should have had a different rep on, or that rep should have been better at identifying a competitor early and differentiating and winning. Literally win the deals you should have won. We're stopping there. How do they get more of you? How do they get more of Clue? How do they get the resources you have to offer? Uh, I, I can't recommend you enthusiastically enough. How, how do our listeners connect to you? Yeah, I appreciate Jason. it. Clue.com. And we have <laughs> a ton of free resources. Bella, it's K-L-U-E, right? There. That's, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's crazy. Uh, C-L-U-E was taken. So I had to go with K. Yeah. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Four letter domain. Can't imagine. So clue.com with a K and we have a number of free resources there that will help everybody. So clue is clue is like, uh, it's a great product. It really helps crack the revenue competitive revenue gap problem, but you can get started without clue. And we have tons of resources on on our site that can help people get rolling, understand where to fish for competitive information, how to convert that into talk tracks, calculate a competitive revenue gap. So you can walk in and see, figure out how to justify any kind of spend human or tool spend on it. It's all under clue.com, under resources, it's all there. And we'll put a link in our show notes to make it easy for them to find that. Um, how else? Clue.com, are you guys on LinkedIn, All any of those places? Oh, yeah. We're all the usual spots. So, uh, you know, LinkedIn is probably our biggest following. We have many tens of thousands of folks that follow us on LinkedIn. I post myself a lot on LinkedIn. So I'm, I'm slash one more Smith. Smith was also taken, Rob. So one more Smith, O-N-E-M-O-R-E Smith. But you just look at Jason Smith and Clue and I'll pop up. And then we have the Clue corporate one that we try and personify. We have some good humor that we try to inject in all of our uh, social stuff. So it's not boring. It's not lame. We pump a lot of data out. We do a lot of content marketing, just trying to educate the market on this competitive revenue gap and the competitive issue and help people win the deals they should have won. Okay. This has been a killer. I knew it was going to go fast, my man. Um, you got one final thought to put a bow on for 50,000 people listening to you right now. Got a, like one thing that you'd leave with? The one thing that I would say, if you're going to leave with one thought from this podcast would be spend the time to understand what your competitors are doing. Have somebody in your organization stay on top of that and feed it right back through the edges of your organization, the front line, so that they never show up surprised. They walk in confident, know how to navigate and win the deals they should have won. Love it. His name is Jason Smith. He's the co-founder and the CEO of Clue. They help people beat the competitive revenue gap. 
by helping them win the deals they should have won. And as you listen to this, if you want to make sure you win the deals that you should win with every member of your team, my advice, connect to Jason, check out what they're doing, uh, use some of those resources you referred to, and be very intentional because accidental anything as a leader means you're probably going to be average at best. And in this world of winning the deals you should have won, you need to be intentionally successful. Jason, thank you for your help. Thank you for joining me on behalf of 50,000 sales leaders all around the world. Thank you for giving us an hour of your time. And as I say to everyone, happy selling. I love it. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, I am so pumped to remind you that this is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. And since 2019, Sales Leadership United has lived on Patreon and grown to be the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. But the thing I'm so excited about is that Sales Leadership United now has its own home. We've moved off of Patreon. You can find us at salesleadershipunited.com and there are tools there that you are going to love. You can create your own resource library of sales leadership assets that will fuel your development, curriculum and meetings and insights and tools that you can use. You'll, you'll find it having massive, massive comprehension and depth, but simplicity in finding what you use and making your own resource center. Listen, I coach over 100 sales leaders in big companies, in new companies, in every industry. I coach people that are new to leadership, new to companies. I coach people that have been in their seats for a long time and some of the most seasoned leaders in the world. And every one of them wants more tools. They want more insights. They want more perspective. So if you've ever like hungered for that, you're not alone. In fact, that's the most common thing that I hear. I'll talk about that in a second. I hear things like, how do you create new systems? How do you create new foundations? How do you create more change? How do you coach? How do you lead up? How do you manage up? How do you connect to a totally different generation? The list is different for every one, but the one thing that everybody asks, the most common question I get, what are other leaders do, like me doing to solve problems like the ones I'm facing? And that's why you need to check out Sales Leadership United. Yeah, you'll get tools, you'll get training, you'll get techniques. But what you're also going to get that's so hard to get is perspective. Perspective that comes from the benefit that you can only get with thousands of hours with leaders from all around the world. And Sales Leadership United will give you that. If you haven't checked out Sales Leadership United, check the salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB, get a free trial and check it out. Because if there's one thing I've learned, we have to be intentional about our growth and development. And that can be challenging. It takes intentionality, it takes prioritization in order to keep yourself fresh, modern and current so you can stay relevant and have impact. I want you to go check out the new and improved Sales Leadership United at salesleadershipunited.com. Membership is less than the cost of lunch, less than the cost of a movie ticket, less than the cost of your monthly Netflix subscription, and there's no long-term requirement required. So use the link in the show notes, use that code ROB, and find out what the largest collection of sales leadership assets can do for you when you check out Sales Leadership United today. Let's get back to Jason Smith. That dude is a blast. I am so glad I met that guy. I love what he's doing at Clue. It's a company you're definitely going to want to keep your eyes on. I love their mission. Uh, that mission of helping every sales leader do something that I don't see why you wouldn't be excited about. And that mission is win all the deals you should have won. Let's just start there. I don't want to win you know, the, the long shots. I don't want to win the Hail, Mar Hail Marys. Let's just win the ones that we should have won. 
Because if all you do is win the deals you should have won, you will fundamentally transform your organization and you'll do it very quickly with very little cost. I am convinced that the more intentional we get as leaders, the more successful we will be. Accidental anything limits our predictable range of success to average at best. And if you listen to this show with that in mind, that lens of how do I win the deals I should be winning, not the lens of how do I turn more losses into wins. That's a totally different mindset. That's a totally different lens. Start with, are we winning the ones we should win? If you go back and listen through that lens with that in mind, this will be one of the more important things you've ever consumed as a leader. And this conversation with Jason reminded me of when I was a baseball coach. Uh, I was the owner and coach of a team called the Salt Lake Sidewinders. We were the top travel team from Utah. We had ambitions to be the first team from Utah to win Cooperstown. It's an iconic tournament that no travel team from Utah had ever won. And when we started with these boys, they were eight years old. And and from the time they were eight to the last year when they were 12, when we went to Cooperstown, we only made a few changes from that eight-year-old year to that 12-year-old Cooperstown year. And, and we kept them the same and we groomed them and, and it was a really incredible run. Early on, we learned that our boys responded very well to the concept that they didn't have to make those highlight film plays all the time or those ESPN top 10 moments plays. All they had to do was be themselves. You guys are good enough. You're just being your average self is going to be good enough to win. You didn't have to have a career best effort to win. You just needed to make the routine routine. You needed good swings at good pitches. Ground balls were outs. Fly balls got caught. You get your signs from your coaches. You know the situations. And when we made the routine routine, we almost never lost. I mean, it was crazy how we almost never lost. And when we went to Cooperstown, we hit that goal of being the first team from Utah to ever go there and win it. And the way we did it was by keeping the routine front and center. No errors, no panic when we got behind, and ultimately, no surprises when we ended up winning it. So Jason's approach really resonated with me. How do you win the deals you should win? That's the baseball equivalent of how do we get the outs that we should get? This is an observation point that's going to resonate with every seller on your team. So ask the question, what's that competitive revenue gap? Put a dollar sign on the deals that slipped away. Shine a light on them because light is the world's greatest disinfectant. Listen, Jason identified so many really great lenses to help you find ways to win those deals you should win. Here's just a couple. Find who the competition is sooner. Too many times we don't find out until the deal's well underway and it often comes out as a way of people trying to beat us up on price. Um, the sooner you know who those competitors are, the sooner you can differentiate and make strategic uh, moves around that whole pursuit and the way that you present your organization. Too many, this is another one, too many salespeople differentiate as a late in game move. Jason's right. This should be something that comes into play immediately. I loved the discussion from Jason around differentiation. Uh, only 30% of the people are using competitive differentiation effectively. And Jason's right. This is a skill you can teach, train, and coach, which takes me to another one, deal coaching. I loved his conversation around deal coaching. It is a strong way to make sure you win the deals you should win. And let's just leave it at this. There is a difference between deal chasing and deal coaching. And if you want to talk to me about it, hit me up on Sales Leadership United. And it's a really important topic. The list doesn't slow down. Storytelling, 
confidence in the facts, transparency in pricing. And I loved how he said the most overlooked way uh, to, to win what you should win. It's something I haven't stopped thinking about. It's something that I've been working on with my clients. It's understanding the competitive data. How do you sniff it out? How do you use it to differentiate? How do you use it to tailor and change your approach? Like I said, one of my clients just a couple of weeks ago told me that he thinks his team continues to lose for the same reasons over and over again. I use the, just the concepts Jason shared with me with this leader to help him identify the deals they lost that they thought they should have won. And then we found two core things to do differently with the existing pipeline as a result of learning on why we lost the ones we should have lost as a way to try to make a change so we don't lose for these reasons moving forward. The impact on the team has been incredible. This idea of make the routine routine has led to a different level of intention with the members of the team. And in only a few weeks, we've already seen dividends come in. So follow Jason's advice. Don't tell people to work harder. Help them see where they have not won in deals we should have and could have won. Follow Jason's advice. Start by quantifying that competitive revenue gap. Identify one to two reasons why we've lost there. And then use this on the existing deals in the pipeline to shift the winnable deals into actual wins. That might be the best definition of dub, dub, dub. Win what's winnable, right? Win what's winnable. That's a good message to take to your team. Win what's winnable. Don't lose sleep over the long shots. Predictability will come when you make the routine a habit. But Jason is 100% right. You need to as a leader. You need to take the time it takes to know these answers because this is what the elite leaders do. Don't be a transactional manager. Don't result to activity management. Be the leader who shines light and creates well-lit pathways to success. And then that's when you're going to become legendary in the lives of those you lead. So Jason, thank you so much for joining me. Congrats on the success you're having. I love the work you're doing at Clue. I can't wait to see where you take the company. Thank you for sharing your insights on winning with leaders all around the world. To our 50,000 listeners, my advice is to connect with Jason, reach out to him, leverage his resources, check out what Clue has to offer, and find the ways to win those deals you should have won. We've got links in our show notes to make this easy to do. Trust me, you'll be glad you connected with Jason and the team at Clue. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes, and you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to the new and improved salesleadershipunited.com. Use the code ROB. Check it out for free with no strings attached, and you will be glad you did. Thank you for your support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job as sales leaders is to create life-changing years for the people we lead. If you liked this message, please share it with someone who needs to hear it and then get after it this week because life is short. We got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow, so maximize your today. Be elite, live strong, and chase those passions and do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget that you got this and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. 
If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.